Welcome back, one and all. I'm so happy to have you here with us on this new episode of I Digress. If you listened to our last episode, it was basically me just reading off the Zola tweets that inspired the film Zola. Today's episode is my unsolicited opinion about the film, the cast, and everything in between. I'm so glad that you came back to join me. So glad that you care about my opinion about anything. So let's just dive right into it. Once again, I'm about to dive in it. Y'all know I can't go one episode without singing. That's why you love me. So um, the cast is something that really just um, made me excited about the film. I wasn't a huge fan of um, Hit the Floor, but I love Taylor Page. Um, I think she's beautiful. I think she's talented. It's just that the storyline for Hit the Floor after a while, I just didn't care about. Not that I didn't care about the actors. It's just the storyline just lost my interest. And sometimes that happens. You know, you don't have to love everything that your favorite actors are in. Um, Then there is Riley Keough. Um, She was in um, The Girlfriend Experience and American Honey. She's also on Magic Mike and Mad Max. I didn't see either one of those, but I really did enjoy her in American Honey. I felt like her character in that movie kind of prepared her for playing Stephanie in the Zola movie. Um, And... Going back to Taylor Page, um, I follow her on Instagram and on Twitter, and she's been talking about how the process to doing um, Zola was a really heavy one because she wasn't getting any work after Hit the Floor. Um, She was getting stuff sporadically, but it wasn't something that could sustain her. She wasn't getting paid well enough for it. She just wasn't working. And it's so crazy because um, once they finally started to move forward with actually releasing Zola, You know, other movies started to come out with her in it. Um, She was in the movie Boogie. She was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. She was in White Boy Rick. So I feel like after the completion of Zola and her work with that and everyone seeing it at Sundance, it kind of opened up more doors for her. So I'm really excited to see what happens next for her. I think she's incredibly talented. Moving on to Nicholas Braun. I didn't really see anything that he was in before. Um, He was someone who was kind of unknown to me. I did see some of the things that he was in. The only thing that I remember him actually being in was in Succession. That's a really good show. Um, I just haven't finished it. I am terrible at finishing shows. I mean, I stopped watching Dexter because they jumped the shark terribly. I just got so upset I didn't finish it. I still have yet to finish... um, What was that movie? What was that TV show on Netflix? Oh, my gosh. Ozark. I still have not finished Ozark. Um, so many shows that I just have not finished. I just don't care to. I don't know what it is. I Maybe it's something psychological. Maybe it's something about my work ethic. We don't have enough time to get into all that right now. So we're just going to move on. Um, the one part, the upside of Taylor and Riley who made me excited about it was Coleman Domingo. I love him. He too was in um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The first time I ever saw him, though, was in this film called um, Newlyweeds. It was on Netflix. It is hilarious. It stars um, actress Trey Harris. And I feel so terrible because I can't remember the gentleman's name. But um, she was also in um, Hair Wolf. It was a short film on um, HBO. I want her to play Diana Ross in um, her biopic so bad because she looks identical to her to me. I don't care what your opinion is. My opinion is right. It's the truth. So it's going to happen because I want it to. Anyway, of course, he was also in Euphoria. He is um, 
Zendaya sponsor in Euphoria. He was in the Butler. I didn't really remember him in the Butler though. Um, he's if, if Bill Street could talk. Oh my gosh, he was so necessary in if Bill Street could talk. I loved him in that movie. I just love him in general, and just like he's just great. I love him to death. Um, and the movie was directed by Jansica Bravo. Okay, so I I just watch random movies. I just love the arts. I feel like I've said this before, but. I love the arts. I love movies. I love random movies. I love movies that make absolutely no sense. Um, and one of those movies is Lemon. The cast of Lemon, once again, amazing. The storyline, I can't even explain it to you. The movie is hilarious. I have a very odd sense of humor. Um, things that shouldn't be funny are hilarious to me. The movie was just, it was just great. It was just great to me. I love it. It's quirky. Please, if you find it on Hulu, Voodoo, whatever it is that you find it on, please give it a second. Watch the whole movie because I know that you'll probably be watching it and be like, they'll say, what is this? A lot of times if I recommend anything to you, it may start off with, they'll say, what is this? And I, it's okay. I don't, I don't care about your judgment while you're watching it, but there's going to be moments where you're like, oh my, what? Why? And what? Why was that necessary? It doesn't matter. I love it. It's great. You should watch it. I hope you love it too. But that was directed by Jessica Bravo. Her husband was in it. He's the main character in the movie. Um, so when I knew that she was going to be directing it, I was like, she has the offset humor that's necessary for this very dark story. Because, I mean, it's all fun and games. It's hilarious. It's really just, you know, playing on a whole bunch of themes and things of that nature. But it's a very, very serious subject matter. Like, it's a very serious subject matter. And for her to be able to, both her and um, Isaiah Zola Wells King, to take such such serious subjects and make them lighthearted and funny are just so, I love it. Because sometimes you have to laugh through the pain. And that's what we do as people. We laugh through our pain. And some people can't do that. Some people are really triggered and they can never heal themselves from their triggers so they can't laugh through it. And I get it. It's really hard to laugh at yourself. It's really hard to laugh at hard situations. And if that's how you feel, this movie is not for you. Um, so Isaiah basically wrote these sets of tweets and it just catapulted her into this new arena of fame. She was featured in Solange's When I Get Home and her video Stay Flow. And... Ever since then, you know, she's been everywhere telling her story and, you know, making things happen for herself. And I'm really excited that she was able to make this happen and change her life. Now, back to the film. So if you listen to the last tweet, you basically know it's about a road trip about two strippers who went to Florida and decided to dance. But one of the dancers, um, Riley's character, who is Stephanie, um, basically tricked Zola into trying to trick her into trapping or tricking. And she just wasn't going for it. So one of the first scenes that stood out to me was basically how the two girls looked at each other in the beginning when the scene switched up, you know, exchanged numbers and they became friends. So they're on their way to Florida. They, I guess they do a pit stop and they go to the restroom. This is one of those things that it, if you catch it, 
it makes sense. If you don't, and then someone else brings it up to you, you're like, oh, okay. But it automatically caught my eye, and I feel like it was supposed to be foreshadowing into basically the story and the two women. So they go to the bathroom, and Zola squats over the toilet while Steph sits on the toilet. That's something that is just we as Black women feel white women do. We're not in the restroom with you when you use the bathroom, so we don't know if you're actually sitting on the toilet or not. But that's something that we just, it just seems mighty white of you. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to sit on the toilet with your bare ass, possibly catch crabs, walk out of the restroom stall, and then walk out into the world. So you don't wash your hands. That's cool. All right. But as they're peeing, it's not just the fact that Zola squats while Steph sits. It's also the color of their pee. When Zola pees, her pee is clear. When Steph pees, her pee looks like apple juice, which basically means that Zola is, or it's trying to allude to the fact that Zola takes better care of herself than Steph because you shouldn't have that much color in your pee. You should be drinking some more water. It shouldn't look like apple juice. It just shouldn't look like a juice of any sort. And that was something really small, but I feel like it was meant to be that way in order for you to understand the dynamics between the two women. Like Zola wasn't here for none of this hoeing stuff. She not here about that life. She coming here. I just came here to dance for y'all. That's it. That's it. Okay. And you know, Steph with the shit. Another thing. Oh my goodness. When they were dancing and she's like, I'm a full nude type of bitch. Okay. Go ahead, girl. Put your pussy on the glass. I'm not mad at it. Get your money how you get it. But there was a scene when they were praying, and she's like, Lord, send us men with money, Lord Jesus. Now, her story is something that I feel is very, um, very important to, to speak about because um, the woman who was actually saying that was um, Tease Madison. And Tease Madison was a former porn star She's transgendered and she's made a name for herself. And for me, I didn't know who she was prior to this movie. Call me, um, you know, naive, what have you. But I just didn't know who she was. And I would have never, you know, assumed that she was um, transgendered. And I just thought that she was just, you know, an older woman. And when I started to look into her story... It made me realize how important the arts are in basically changing the narrative of how we see people. Because in um, Queen and Slim, India Moore was in Queen and Slim, and she was Bokeem Woodbine's one of Bokeem Woodbine's girlfriends in the movie. India Moore is also in Pose. She too is transgender, but you never make any. Um, you never speak on either woman being transgender in either film. And it's not something that probably was written in a script. They probably saw these dynamic women and thought, this is who I want to play this part. No one is going to be able to eat this role up the way that she did. The way that that woman was sitting over here like, Lord, give us men. Give us men with 800 credit score. And I was sitting in the theater like, yes, Lord, deliver him to me, Jesus. I need him. You know, feel the spirit. Made me want to shout in the theater. But oddly enough, 
I was in a theater full of white people. And that, I'm going to get back to that later because seeing films that are heavily rooted in a lot of black themes makes me feel a little bit like I want to have a think piece session after the film. Like, what made you want to come and see this film? Huh? Did you read the tweets? How did you get onto Black Twitter? How did how who invited you to to Black Twitter? Who sent you that invite? Who sent you? I don't I don't I don't just you know send out invites to Black Twitter. I don't gatekeep for that to white folks. I don't who who let you in? Did you see it on Hollywood Reporter or something? Did you see it on E? Are you a friend of Are you a fan of Riley and that's how you're here? Riley brought you here. The girlfriend experience brought you here. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so, um. Outside of that, when she was giving this prayer, I'm sitting over here, you know, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. But to find out that, you know, this is the type of thing that I believe as far as in, in the entertainment industry, I cannot speak to what it means for the rest of the world and how they live their lives. And because to me, it could just be a, all performative, you know, all of branch. And then they're still not having any real change made, but... Um, for her to have a role that may have predominantly been written for a woman whose body was was born into a woman's body, because that's the only way that I, I feel like I can say that, because transgender women were born as women. They were just born women in men's bodies. That's how I understand it. So to say that role was possibly written for a woman who was born as a woman doesn't seem right. So I'll say that that role was probably originally written for a woman who was born in a woman's body. I hope that that's okay. I hope that's respectful. Um, That's the only way I can think of to say it. Anyway, um, I want to know how that feels with how we move forward with how we cast people of transgender. I mean, do we really need to know that they're trans in the film? Do we really need to state specifically we only want... um, no, no trans in this role. I feel like that's kind of, uh, I feel like the only time that I would say that are in biopics. If they are born a woman, I feel like they should be played by a woman. If they were born trans, I feel like they should be played by a trans person just to speak more authenticity into that person's life. Because things can get blurred if people don't know who people actually are prior to the biopic. For example, they want for um, the lead character in Pose to play Flojo. I love her. I love MJ. I think she's incredibly talented. I think she's beautiful. But I don't think that as far as telling who Flojo is, because MJ is so known as being a strong transgender woman, I don't really want for that to confuse the younger generations and who are just getting to know who Flojo is. They they don't know her. Just like I hate when people Photoshop photos of Alia in 2000 with photos of Selena in 95 and making them look like they were at the MTV Awards together or like they were at the Grammys together. Please stop doing dumb shit like that. You're confusing the youngins. You're confusing young children. I hate that. Stop rewriting history. I hate when people try to rewrite history. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. That's a, a completely different podcast. I'm not even going to, I digress. Got off subject. But I really love seeing her in there. I feel like she was, like, she was just that type of 
essence and energy that was needed. She was perfect for that small bit role. Um, and I hope that it leads to more roles for transgendered women and transgendered men as just their gender. Their gender is female. They identify as female. Their gender is male. They identify as male. I feel like they should have the opportunity to play them as long as they're not biopics. That's my only thing. But we're going to move on. So after they do the prayer, Zola goes on stage and she starts dancing with her pasties and a board shorts on. And a scrawny white man comes up and gives her money. And he goes, you look like Whoopi Goldberg. What? Why would you tell me I look like Whoopi Goldberg? Sir, sir, sir. While I'm dancing, I don't want to hear that. Just throw the money on the stage, sir. Throw the money on the stage. What is wrong? This is why I deserve less. This is why I deserve less. It don't, it don't matter the race, just the male species in general. You deserve less. You, you, you really, truly do. I just, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't. Like, who wants to? I can't. Y'all, I can't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know, before that, they put their things down. They go to the hotel. And the person who played the Florida nigga, number one, he didn't have dreads. I feel like that was a very important piece about him being a Florida nigga. Because a Florida nigga is Kodak Black. A Florida nigga is the dude who be with Rick Ross with them six locks. That's certain. I mean, not all dudes from Florida have dreadlocks. But a very distinctive man from Florida has dreadlocks. And the fact that he had locks in the Zola tweets, but he didn't have them in the story, eh, kind of lost some of his zest for me. But I'm a Florida bitch. So maybe that's it, you know representation representation you know tomato tomato they did have um jason mitchell playing um the florida nigga now he has been in some stuff lately um i don't know if he's you know if things have gotten better for him randomly saw him one night in atlanta but i mean seeing a celebrity in atlanta is kind of random but it's not it's very atlanta um, but I did see him one night just having a drink by himself, minding his business. I didn't feel like bothering him because he was having a drink by himself, minding his business. And it was really in the midst of the whole him getting um, fired from the shy. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me let this brother have this drink. And I really believe that he personally should have played Z, which was Coleman Domingo's character. He does have the ability to be a he's such a talented actor he's an incredibly talented actor he may be you know going through his own struggles and things of that nature um but he totally looked like the real z number one number two he just has the range to be able to play that character i could have i could have seen him playing the character as much as i could have seen coleman domingo playing that character but coleman just he just adds a certain level of just Je ne sais quoi, or, you know, he's so debonair, you know, he's so suave. And so I can understand why they would have him play Z because, you know, you see this beautiful black man telling you, you going to dance. He's like, okay, I'll dance. I'll dance for you, daddy. Um, so I can see why they decided to go with him as opposed to going with Jason. But just in my mind, I would have cast Jason um, as Z. That was my personal thing. 
He did play a very, very good role as the Florida nigga. I really did appreciate him in that role. Um, and I just, that was my personal take on him in the film. But the scene with Coleman Domingo switching his accent up, I was like, oh, snap. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. I mean, they kind of did things a little bit out of order in the film. But then again, I don't know if um, after everything happening, um, her writing the tweets and things of that nature, if it just, you know, that's how things actually happen in the order of the film, or if they just made things happen that way because it just flowed better for the story. Um, but the way that um, Steph would play victim was just, it, it was so manipulative. It, it gave me feminist vibes. I am not a feminist. Um, it's not that I feel like I want to be a pick mean. And it's not because I feel like women don't deserve equal rights. I honestly just don't trust how the feminist movement has worked for black women. I will say this consistently. I will stand on this. Doesn't matter the time day. Doesn't matter the season. Doesn't matter what popular opinion falls either way. I'm going to always say that black women were brought to this country, the ones who were not indigenous to this country, but the black women who were brought to this country or to Caribbean islands were brought here to work. So, you know, the feminist movement giving black women the opportunity to work, nah, because we still weren't getting the jobs that we were qualified for. We still have to work three times harder than that of our white counterparts, whether they be black, I mean, whether they be male or female, we still have to work harder than them in order to get the same job. We still have to be smarter, stronger, what have you, in order to get it. And then when we get it, they change the rules because they get mad about how good we do what we do. Case in point, Simone Biles. And it's so funny because when I was taking notes for this episode and that part just kind of like rung out to me about how she kind of played victim in order just to get her here in order for her to stay there, in order for her to, you know, be with her, just for her to turn around after the story went viral and it went everywhere. She's sitting here talking about, oh, she had this nappy hair. She was mad because they wanted me. They didn't want her. I wasn't tricking. She was tricking. She was the one who wanted to trick, but she got mad because they didn't want to sleep with her. They wanted to sleep with me and I was making more money. So either you tricked or you didn't. Which one was it? Was you getting pimped or was you not getting pimped? And the fact that she was like, she was the one who wanted to trick. Ma'am, did she not meet the pimp with you? Did you not bring a pimp named Slick back with you when you invited her onto this trip? That wasn't her friend. That was your friend. That wasn't her pimp. That was your pimp. So you was already hoeing anyway. So who are you lying to, ma'am? How you going to bring a 24 case of water to the party and be like, oh, no, I'm thirsty. Bitch, you bought the water. The fuck? Help me help. Help me help us. Help me understand this. Because you're really trying to flip this story now, which is really how I feel sometimes the feminist movement works. You get us for numbers. You get us because you need us. You get us because we already have something established and we make the movement better because pussy worth thousands. 
and you sitting over here selling it for 25 cents and I put you on a game so that you can make more money doing what you was doing already. And now all of a sudden it's she wasn't, you know, what they wanted. I was what they wanted. Reason for being hater bitch number one. Oh, you feel some type of way, huh? You feel some type of way, huh? Because you couldn't have written this story. So now you mad because you couldn't have come up on these coins like this. Because you was trying to hide it. Were you not? Which is why you was mad that you was on full blast on Facebook. Because there's a hating ass bitch who's really a hating ass bitch on you. Who probably still has that story coming up on their Facebook memories. Ma'am. Somebody you don't like probably still have that picture saved. Ma'am. Let's be really real about this situation. You was a hoe. And you was mad because you didn't have the, the art, artistry in order to turn this crazy-ass story into a film, into some viral tweets, because nobody was paying attention to you. Oh, okay. Ariana Grande not sitting over here reaching out to you to be in her music videos. I don't see no pop art. I don't see Taylor Swift sitting over here like, oh my gosh, you're Stephanie from Azola Story. Please. Come <laughs> like you're laughable. You're laughable. Get out of here, dude. Get out of here. No one's doing that. No one's reaching out to you. Relax. Relax yourself. And it also makes me think about the Rachel Nichols and uh, Maria Taylor situation from ESPN. So Rachel was sidelined, I think, for one game um, because of a recorded conversation that she didn't know was recorded and it went um, on the internet and she was basically talking about how Maria was a um, an affirmative action hire. Ma'am, ma'am, were you not on ESPN when old boy's girlfriend leaked all of his racist messages? Were you not on ESPN? This is what you get. This is exactly what you get. And then they didn't even fire her. They just suspended her. And it's, I've read articles about how this isn't the first time any woman of color on ESPN just feels like they are not appreciated, like they are just charity. Like that is something that is so infuriating because people are so performative when it comes to racism. They just want to look like they care about being changed and not actually being the change. And that irritates me because there's, that's why nothing happens. That's why everything stays the same. And it just speaks to sometimes how the dynamics between black and white women can just seem like we really can't trust each other. And that's terrible that we as women already feel like we have to, you know, watch our back with other women. And it's not something that is just, you know, in relations to how black women deal with each other. Because if that were true, Mean Girls, Heathers, Gossip Girl, all those franchises would be non-existent. The whole Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, Misha Barton situation, Lindsay Lohan would have never happened. White women have their own beef with each other. And so the dynamics between black and white women are completely different because you want me to be a feminist with you, and I still don't make the same amount of money as you. You already know I'm going to be speaking on that until the day that I die. There is absolutely no reason why I should not be making the same amount of money as no white chick 
when I do the same thing, when my credentials are probably better than hers, when I have more work experience, this, that, and the third, is no reason. None. Absolutely none. So to me, that just speaks to basically how we have to really be mindful of who we call an ally, the women that we allow into our spaces, and how they uplift us in a way that others can see us in the world. Because I have white girlfriends. I do. And we've been through it before, and we've grown together, and we have become better women together. And I understand that there's going to be certain things that you don't understand as a white woman that you have to change, and that's not okay, and that moving forward, you can't continue to do this. I completely get it. But for you to come in a space and then talk down on the things that I say that you need to change, nah, that's your first red flag. If you tell someone that what they did hurt you and then they try to make it seem like you're too sensitive, whether they're male or female, black or white, let them go. That's a red flag that they don't care about how you actually feel in the first place. Let them go. Let it go. Give it to God. Move on. Which is what we're going to do now. Um, Something really small that kind of aggravated me was her cell phone case. Now, y'all know, doggone, good and well, back in, what, 2015, they would not have them big old mushy little, they did not have them cases. They did not have them cases. That was six years ago. When did y'all start getting big phones? Okay, maybe I started getting big phones back in 2015. But no, them cases was not a thing back then. I don't think that. I'm going to have to Google it because I don't, I don't think her case was accurate to the times. Just saying. Just saying. Um... Another thing that I loved was there was no female nudity. Outside of, you know, them making you wear pasties when you really want to be a full-on nude bitch, um, there was no nudity for the females. Now, there was a montage that was very Wedding Crasher-esque, but it was of men. And it was just balls and dick, dick and balls, balls and dick, dick and balls. And I'm like, ooh, I, oh, I don't want to see so much of that. Ah, pineapples, I wasn't ready. But in Wedding Crashers, there was a scene where they were just betting all these women and it was just titties, 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 titties. And, you know, as a woman, I'm just so desensitized to seeing naked women in movies because it just speaks to the story if she's naked. It reminded me of Malcolm and Marie when she was like, I really hated that she died naked with her. I'm not, died topless. And he's like, why? He's like, look at how you are right now. She's like, yes, but I have on a shirt. I'm not topless. And I can only imagine how it felt for men just to see nuts and balls, 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 dick, 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 all in their face. Because you're not used to that. You don't see that all the time. And... It's like, it, we could have done without that. Do you know how many times I could have done without seeing some bush? I could have done with a lot of movies without seeing a bush. Like, why was this necessary? I didn't need to see her titties like that. I don't know her like that. I don't need to see this. Now y'all know how it feels. And I love that about that. It's an equal opportunity. Fuck you. I love it. Because it doesn't really seem like something that should happen. Because when I saw Malcolm and Marie and he was talking about how it, you know, played into the scene and how um, she needed to be topless. Sir, can you imagine what it feels like to have your dead body out here for investigators just to be looking at? 
just out here dead. Could you imagine how you would feel if you were to die when, if you were to get shot or something or have a heart attack or something and you put on your your t-shirt first before you put on your boxers and you just die or you just get shot and they have the coroner and all the investigators and the people who discover you for the first time have to come in and just see your soft meat. How would you feel if you were just walking into some, if somebody just walked into your soft meat? Would you be okay with somebody just seeing your little dicky? Would you? Real question. Would you be okay with somebody seeing your, if, especially if you're a grower and not a shower? And you know, your nuts are larger than your dick. You know? How would you feel? How would you feel if you just had all these men walking around you looking at your teeny tiny weenie? Would you be okay with that? Honestly, would you be okay with that? That, that's, that's what we're talking about right now. If I'm just sitting over here and I put on my drawers before I put on my bra and I have a heart attack or I get shot and my titties are just out, I don't want, cover me up. Give me some respect in death. Like, that's what, that's what that means. That's what that played into. That's how I felt about that. So seeing all these, all these male genitalia, I was here for it. Not because they were like appealing to the eye because many of them were not. Like, ew. Ew. And ew, I don't, it was just ew, it was just ew. But that's what y'all get and y'all are long overdue. Y'all are long overdue for seeing Nick, for seeing dick and balls in your face when you didn't want to see dick and balls in your face. That, that scene is what it feels like to wake up to an unsolicited dick pic. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Stop sending those. Even if she likes dick pics, she will ask you for it because she knows that you'll be readily available to give them to her. Okay? I don't have to add, I don't have to conjole no man to send me a dick pic like, "Hey babe, let me see you that time." I miss him. Like it ain't, ain't gonna take too much for me to get a dick pic like, "Oh, you want to see it? Hold on, give me a second. I'll get it. If you don't send it somebody else will, please. Please. Like that's what that that's what that feels like. So, I'm glad that you guys got to feel some equal opportunity in that whole spiel. And back to just the film itself, like the fact that in real life, Z really got arrested for trafficking underage girls. Like, yeah, we laugh at this movie and it's funny and it's entertaining, but this man was really out here preying on young girls and having this girl help him with it. Whether she, look, that speaks to something else because Santonia Brown got arrested and she was locked up for a long time until Kim Kardashian, little pretty inflated ass, came up and saved her. Like, you know, like some kind of superhero who just swoops in and saves me from, you know, incarceration. But for her to have to spend so much time in jail and Steph gets to bat her little pretty blonde eyelashes and fake cry her way like, he made me do it. He made me get these girls. And then she serves no time. She serves absolutely no time. Z's locked up for everybody's life. Everybody lifetime. Everybody life. Like she had no choice. Neither did Santonia. Neither did the countless other black women who were 15 years old. 13 years old 
when they were propositioned by a pimp who made it seem like he was going to be the father figure that they didn't have growing up just for him to be the predator that they've always known their entire lives. There are girls still sitting in jail who are now women, who came into womanhood in prison because some old, nasty, perverted pimp decided to pimp these young girls. It's not okay because they got off and they were grown-ass women at the time. How old were they, like 22, 21? They weren't grown-ass because 21 to me still isn't really grown. Like, you recently just stopped asking another person for permission to go to the bathroom. So, you know, it's kind of like weird to me to think of someone as being 21 being grown. Someone who's 18 isn't grown to me because you literally are either still asking for permission to go to the bathroom or you still need someone's permission in order to do anything. Get an apartment, get a car. Only thing you don't need permission to do is to sell pussy or sell your body to the uh, military. Either way, you're selling your body. Tomato, tomato, I'm not getting into that right now. But it's just uh, so frustrating because we're trying to like move forward in this country and in everything. It's like, I don't understand how it doesn't matter what I talk about on this doggone podcast. It always comes back to race relations and it pisses me off. Like, Everything isn't always about race. It really, truly isn't. But everything really is sometimes always leads back to race. Just because we don't know how to deal with each other. We really don't. Which is why it's so crucial for us to have critical race theory. So that we can actually be able to understand how to, to, to speak with one another. So that we can, you know, break these generational curses of racism. Because that is a generational curse. Because people, as we know innately do not come out into this earth, onto this world, into this life, being haters of all people of all colors. No, that's taught to them. How are you teaching your child hate before you teach them love? That's so creepy. That's so disturbing. That's so disturbing. And I mean, I feel like her having black pimps and her having white boyfriends is a sense of rebellion and control at the same time because she's rebelling by um, being with a black man, but she's controlling by still being in a relationship with a white man because the boyfriend in the movie, totally controlled by her, totally manipulated by her, totally weak for her. He was weak-minded. He probably had a very manipulative mother And that's how she was able to see that she could have him be around and always be there. Even when she got her ass whooped, even when she told, even in the scene where Z was like, whose is this? And she said, yours and said, and that's it. It wasn't whose is this, mine. No, because he doesn't belong to her because she can't own him, but he can own her. That in itself, and he still stood by her, spoke volumes to how manipulation can be in certain relationships and how it can go both ways and how she sat here and she played the victim when she was manipulating this poor man. She was manipulating this boy, ignoring his phone calls. No, she's about to go trick. 
knowing that's what she was about to go do, lying to him the entire time. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. She the real villain. She is the real villain. And I just, oh my God. The fact that, the fact that she called Zola to come and bail her out of jail. Like, of all the bitches that you set up, why the fuck would you think you can call me to come get your ass out? Why? Because I put your ass on. And I helped make you some money, bitch. So I just seem like a problem solver. Fuck you, ho. Fuck you. But because she's white, she's able to start her life all over again and make it look like it was always all right. Ain't that some shit? Because the world won't let no black woman forget. Hell nah. Wasn't you a ho? Once a hoe, always a hoe. Can't change that. Can't, even if you're not going to new dough, you still going to be a hoe. Still going to be a hoe. I cannot. I love the fact that they did make her give a, um, take a hoe bath. I thought that was very important for the film. If you don't know, a hoe bath is when you don't actually get into the shower. You don't even run the shower water. You just take a washcloth, you put some soap on it, and then you just scrub underneath the pits, get inside your cootie cat. Go about your business. Now, I called it a hoe bath my entire life, and I never thought anything of it because my mom told me it was called a hoe bath. I don't know who taught her it was called a hoe bath, but it wasn't until maybe I was like 18 or 19 that someone was like, it's called a wash up. I'm like, it's called a hoe bath. Why would you call it a hoe bath? Are you a hoe? And I was like, ding. Why is it? <gasps> oh. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Because when you walk in that strip, chances of you finding a shower are very slim to none. So you need to get that old nigga off you so when the new niggas um, get on top of you, you don't smell him. So that's why it's called a whole bath because you can do it in a truck stop. You can do it in a restaurant. You can do it anywhere. You know, you can wash up anywhere. That's just, ooh, you don't have to mess up your makeup. Even if you're in the hotel room, you know, you want to redo that hair and makeup because somebody, uh-uh, 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 uh Anybody got time for that? Things we have time for? Not that, bitch. Not that at all. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed my little spiel on the movie. I still think it was really weird that I saw in a predominantly white audience. I kind of want to go to an all-black theater and see with a whole bunch of black folks because it's just going to be a different experience. Just like seeing Get Out at an all-black theater is completely different from seeing an all-white theater. Because I'm pretty sure when I saw it, I saw an all-black theater with my best friend, and he's like, he hates it when people talk in theaters. He thinks it's extra. He wants people to leave. He wants them to sit there and be quiet, chuckle at the appropriate volume, blah, blah, blah. Me, on the other hand, I'm totally Brenda from Scary Movie. Smile, you want Kenny Camera? I got you. I got you on candy camera. I know you better get out of my face. Out of my face. Out of my face. Out of my face. I don't care. Like, I am talking during the movie. I'm talking back to the screen, whether I'm at home. That's why I go to matinees. That's why I go to theaters where there are only going to be like six people. But when we happened to see Get Out, it was a packed theater. And we saw it and up with a whole bunch of black people. And it, it came to the scene at the very end when the cop car came out. And when that cop car came out, every single black person in that audience said, oh, no, like he 
done went through all this just to get caught by the man. Ain't nobody going to believe him. He going to jail, y'all. He going to jail. It's over. Everybody was so emotional. Like, you could hear it. Then when um, Lil Rel came out, oh, man, the theater erupted in applause. We were so happy to see Rel come out of that cop car. I promise you. When we walked out of the theater, my friend looked at me and he goes, man, that was a great experience seeing that with a whole bunch of black people. Because I feel like if I would have went into an audience with a whole bunch of white people and saw this film, they would have not got how terrified we were to see that cop car and know that he endured all that just to get killed by the cops. And so, because I feel like with white people, they would have saw the cop car and they would have did like a sigh of relief, like, <sighs> Oh my God, I can't believe this. I'm so glad you came. This is what happened. And the cops actually believed them. Not for us. Mm-mm, 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 mm Cops see us. We just here. That's it. Okay, I'm reloaded. We terrified. We scared. We scared. All right? So, whew. Yes. So I think that I'm going to try to go and see it again with the all-black cast to see if... um. I hear any of the ad libs like mm, nasty hoe, mm, that bitch ain't drink some water, something. I just, I just know it's gonna be somebody saying something because I, that I wasn't getting the full effect that I needed from there. They weren't, they weren't really, mm-mm. they weren't, they weren't getting it. They weren't getting the scenes when they were playing Hannah Montana at the top of their lungs. They weren't seeing um, her turning on how she turned on another black woman talking about with this nappy ass hair oh oh she had nappy ass hair did she got it got it i don't think i want to go anywhere with you anymore this is gonna be the last trip we ever take before any shit pop off soon she started telling that story i'm like this gonna be the last trip we ever take the last trip we ever take with all that being said i just want to say this one last thing and i'm gonna get out your ear when I say Zola, it makes me think of Vivica A. Fox in Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And when Lorenz Tate, who played Frankie Lyman, um, says, oh, we need to get you, get you out of here. I'm going to take you to your mama's house. I'm going to go to California. And I, um, I got a few gigs. Zola got a few gigs for me. Zola! Nigga, I'm out here tricking for you because you can't stay clean and all you can think about is your snot-nosed old girlfriend. That was right before he threw her dog out the window. So I always think about that. With that being said, make sure you go see Zola in theaters and make sure you stream Why Do Fools Fall in Love on Netflix. It's my favorite movie of all time. I cannot help it. I recite it at least twice a month. That's being generous. I digress, but those are the things that you should be watching. Support the arts. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. I'm so glad you guys came to be with me today. Have a wonderful day and a great weekend.